Bibles, please, to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Philippians, chapter 2. Before every service, the preacher must, and the people should, think about what we, we want to see happen. Have you thought about that this morning? Good. I just wonder how many could really say, yes, I've, I've already given thought and prayer to what I'd like to see God do today. I suspect that we can all think of things that we wish would happen. Uh, things like souls being saved. How wonderful that would be. Believers being baptized or Christians joining the church. Backsliders maybe being restored to fellowship with the Lord. And probably some of you can think of a son, a daughter, a well, it may be mom or dad, somebody you love dearly that's drifted far away from the Lord and it would just thrill your heart to see them come back to God today. But there's one thing that ought to be on, on everyone's list in every single service, and that is that Christ be exalted. That's what worship is all about, exalting Christ. And if we're going to evangelize the sinners and edify the saints and encourage those who are suffering, we must exalt Christ. And that's my aim here today. It's not my job to make things happen. Uh, boy, you know, sometimes we think, we wish we could, you know, we could take the bull with the horns and force somebody to get right with God, but I can't do that. You can't do that. And uh, it's not our job. Our job is to be faithful. It's God's work to make us fruitful. And whenever we consider the greatness of God, it ought to be our great delight to exalt Christ. But how do we do that? How, how do we exalt Him? I mean, regardless of how hard we try, it's one of those things like, I know I'm going to fail even before I begin. How can we exalt Him? How can we ever really do Him justice? Uh, how do you describe the one who is altogether lovely? The fairest of 10,000. I mean... How do you describe someone like that? There are no words to describe the Lord Jesus Christ. So perhaps maybe the, the best way to do that in the least amount of time and in light of, the, of Christmas coming is to focus on His name because His name really says it all. It just sums it all up. And that's what we want to do this morning, here in Philippians chapter number 2, and by the way, this is one of my favorite sections of the Scriptures. Whenever you begin up in verse number 5 where he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And then moving on from there, Paul shows us how the sovereign became a son, and the son became a servant. 
And the servant became our sacrifice. And the sacrifice became our Savior. And then whenever we end up, we see our Savior being seen or recognized as the Sovereign. So what started out with Him in eternity, before the foundation of the world, God Himself taking upon Himself the form of man, coming to earth as the Son, veiled in flesh, and He comes to carry out His plan of salvation for fallen man. And finally, at long last, when the circle is complete, we see every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that He is Lord. Verse number 9, as much as I would like to talk about those other verses, I want us to notice verse number 9, and I want to speak to you this morning about the name above every name. Verse number 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. You know, names are interesting, and sometimes people really get carried away when it comes to to naming their children. I heard a few years ago of someone, a sports fan, that that named their child ESPN. I guess Espen. I I can't imagine giving a kid the name of a sports network, but that's what they did. You know, really, maybe that isn't... Maybe it wasn't anything new, or maybe it's not even as bad as a lot of folks back in the colonial times. They had this thing where a lot of times they, the people would just open the Bible, and the first, the first word they saw, and, and, and that, they'd pick that as the name of the child. And that led to one, one kid being named Notwithstanding Griswold. <laughs> Can you imagine that kid in the first grade and the teacher says, what's your name? And he says, notwithstanding. <laughs> oh, wow. I, it's crazy what people do. So names are interesting, but they're also important because names identify us. I mean, who doesn't like to hear their name mentioned? You know, the older I get, uh, the... Uh, I shouldn't tell on myself like this. Some of you might think it's ready for me to retire. But I not only get hard of hearing, uh, but I start hearing things. And I can't tell you how many how many times. <laughs> Tim, too. He's got his both hands up. And, and I holler, what? <laughs> what? Did you call my name? I didn't say anything. And I could I could swear I hear Bev calling calling my name. You know, there's just something about somebody calling your name. I mean, that's important to you. We all like to hear our name, but but the name that I'm speaking about today is notice is the name which is above every name. What would that be? Well, the Bible tells us. Over in Matthew chapter number 1 and verse 21, and here's the story of Mary and Joseph. And by the way, they did not just choose uh, Jesus' name. They didn't just say, you know, sit down one day and say, you know, 
Uh, we're going to have a baby. We've got to figure out what this kid's name's going to be. Remember, the angel said to Joseph, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. And I believe that's the name that's above every name. Some preachers have wanted to argue about that, and I could mention some that you would know and some that many of you probably listen to nearly every day on the radio, and they want to argue about this. That's really not the name they, they claim. But look at verse number, verse number 10. This explains it. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That settles it. The angel said that you shall name him, what? Jesus. And here it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So the name that's above every name is the name Jesus. Now, someone calculated that there are over 700 names, offices, titles, and metaphors related to the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible. But I can tell you there are none greater than this. There's never been a name so precious, never a name so dear as that of Jesus. Literally, it means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. Wherefore, God hath noticed highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. There's so much there that I feel like a minnow out in the ocean, you know, and uh, that if I lived a million years, I could never take it all in. There's just more than the mind can imagine. But let's think about this name above every name. First of all, when I think of the name of Jesus, I think, well, that's... An easy name, and it is. It's easy to pronounce. It's easy to spell. There's only five letters and two syllables. Of course, some of us folks from the hills of Missouri, you know, we have a, we have a way of, of changing the syllables in a lot of words, but just about everybody says Jesus the same way. And it's sure a lot easier than, uh, than the name that Isaiah gave to one of his sons, uh, if I can even get through it, uh, <laughs> this is in Isaiah 28.3, by the way, and you don't need to turn there and correct my grammar. I can mess it up without you. Meher Shalah Hasgabah. I'd like to have a name like that. That's a mouthful. But you know, even little children can say Jesus. There's just something natural about it and something, you know, it just makes you want to sing. I love that grand old hymn that William Martin wrote back in 1902, The Name of Jesus is So Sweet. I love its music to repeat. It makes my joys full and complete, the precious name of Jesus. So, this is an easy name, but it's also an esteemed name, and we see that. In his book, in the Bible, again and again, 972 times in the New Testament, we find the name Jesus. We not only see it in his book, we see it in the hymn book. 
If you take your hymn book and begin to go through the index, you'll see songs like, The Name of Jesus, His Name is Wonderful, Take the Name of Jesus with You, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, Precious Name. There's something about that name, and it goes on and on, singing about the name. So this is a name that is beyond ordinary. It is a highly esteemed name. In fact, the Bible says it's an excellent name. It uses that phrase in Hebrews 1, 4, and the psalmist at least three different times tells us that his name is an excellent name. And and that particular word, the Greek word, simply means superior, outstanding, exceptional, or surpassing. That is, exceeding all others. There used to be an old old song, I've not heard it in probably 40 years, and most people have never heard it. There ain't nobody like Jesus. Anybody ever heard that old song? It's real fast, upbeat. Nobody nobody ever heard it. There ain't nobody like Jesus. Not a lot of hand clapping and foot stomping. We might have to find that. There ain't nobody. It's not good English. But it's good theology, because I'm telling you, Jesus is in a class all by Himself. He is one of a kind. There ain't nobody like Jesus. This is an excellent name, a name above every name. If you read in this section here in Philippians chapter number 2, you'll see that there's great emphasis upon the humility of Jesus Christ. He who is God took upon himself the form of a man, that of a servant. In other words, our God became our servant that he might become our Savior. Some people are, you know, they're just too proud. I I love the story David Dykes told about the little boy that, you know, had a paper out and so... As he was going down the road and on his bicycle and throwing papers, and he threw a paper in the yard. The fellow was out in the yard working that day. He never talked to the little boy. So he, he thought, you know, I, I need to at least say hi and be friendly. So he asked the, the young man, he said, say, he said, well, what is your name? And the little boy said, well, my name, sir, is George Washington. And the man said, well, that's a pretty famous name, huh? And the kid said, well, it ought to be. I've been throwing papers in this neighborhood for two years now. (laughs) You see, some people think it's all about them, when in reality it's all about Jesus. I can remember years ago driving all the way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, for just to hear one one man preach, and that was Dr. R.G. Lee. And what a great orator he was. What a great preacher. He pastored Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, close to where I pastored in Humboldt many years ago. And and R.G. Lee said upon one occasion, The name of Jesus occupies a singular place in the supremacy above all of the names in this universe. If you piled up all of the notable names of earth's finest people and you had a mountain of human greatness higher than Everest, he said the greatness and the glory of the name of Jesus would have to descend a million miles downward to touch the top of this anthill we call human greatness. And he was right. 
Because there is no comparison between man and Jesus Christ. He, there is an excellency about Him that's beyond what we can understand. When the Bible speaks about Him being altogether lovely, it's using superlatives that, that reach out and just keep reaching, and, and, and we're never fully able to understand Him. He's the fairest of 10,000. Back in those days, in the Greek language and I think the Hebrew language also, uh, in, order to, in order to count beyond 10,000, you'd just get to 10,000, 10,000 times 10,000. I mean, you know, they didn't count in trillions and billions and things of that nature. And so whenever he says uh, he's the fairest of 10,000, it's just like saying there ain't nobody like Jesus. It's beyond everything else that we can imagine. And so we see excellency in this name. We see it's a name that is highly esteemed by God Himself. But but then also we see that this name is exclusive. Now, don't misunderstand. By exclusive, I don't mean that He's the only one with that name. Whether you call it Jesus or Jesus or whatever... Uh, I don't mean to imply he's the only one with that name. That's not what I mean. When I say it is exclusive, I'm saying that salvation is found only in this name. Acts 4.12 says, There's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. I mean, it's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Somebody said many years ago, Alexander may build an empire. Napoleon may change the nations of the world. Newton may bring about an intellectual revolution. Edison may create a new world in science. Wyatt may usher in a new era of industry. But there is only one who can cleanse and transform the human heart, and that one is Jesus I'm telling you, he was right. There ain't nobody like Jesus. The angel said to Joseph, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. But listen to this. He didn't stop there. He said, For he shall save his people from their sins. I'm telling you, there's nobody else that can do that. The very name that is profanity to the sinner is the password for the saints. It's that name that's above every name, that name that is unlike any other name. It's that name that brings us salvation. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Now, now notice what that doesn't say. It doesn't say, call upon the Lord. Been a lot of, a lot of drunks, you know, go off the road in a drunken stupor that you know, call on the Lord, but that doesn't mean they've been saved. He doesn't say if we call on the Lord. And notice it doesn't even say if we call on the name Lord. It doesn't say that. But rather it says if we call upon the name of the Lord. Well, what is the name of the Lord? The name of the Lord is Jesus. It's that name that's above every name, that exclusive name, the name by which we're able to be saved. And so not only is this an exclusive name, but it is an empowering name. 
And and I say that, and I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to stop. I don't know how to describe the difference that Jesus Christ can make in a person's life. I, I know that it's by His name that He transforms believers. And they've impacted the world. You know, when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the important part that Christians play in the world in which we live? He said, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. And there have been those that wanted to isolate themselves from the world because of all of the problems. As writing an article the other day, and, and, and I got the title and just a few notes jotted down. Uh, but it, the title of the article is World Weary. You know, the world just has a way of wearing you down to where, like my mama used to say, you know, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And those of us that know the Lord and those of us that yearn for heaven, the longer we stay here, the more homesick we get. Remember that old song, I'm homesick for heaven, I've got a longing to go. And that's the way God's people feel because we're pilgrims and we're strangers in this world. But listen, we're here for a reason. And this world is greatly indebted to Christians, whether they understand it or not. Whenever you think about the fact that in His name so many so many help programs have been established, whether you agree with the Red Cross and the Salvation Army and Easter Seals and all of those things, you don't have to agree with everything they do, but the fact of the matter is... What they do from the beginning was as a result of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these health programs and hospitals that have been established and the educational institutions that were started in the name of the Lord. There's Oxford and Cambridge and Harvard and Yale and Princeton. It's hard to believe that those institutions had their roots back in Christianity. And it was all in the name of Christ that these organizations were started And whenever we think about all of the contributions that have been made down through the ages by Christians, again, I say that that by the name of Jesus, God's people have been empowered to do things that the world could never even imagine. When Wilbur uh, Wilbur uh, Wilbur Force started the movement to 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 liberate those that were enslaved. And, and what a great need that was to think about somebody that cared so enough, enough that they would risk their fame, their fortune, their very lives to free people that nobody else cared anything about. And that undertaking was all because of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was in the name of Christ. It was through the work of a Christian man that he set out to deliver those people from slavery. Not only that, But this name that's above every name is an enduring name. Emerson wrote, The name of Jesus is not so much written as plowed into the history of the world. And and he was right. Think about it. Jesus lived upon this earth only like 33 years. He ministered only three years. And yet, His name is the most well-known name 
in all of the world. The emperors have tried to destroy it. The philosophers have tried to stamp it out. The tyrants have had tried to wash it from the face of the earth in the blood of the saints. And yet, the blood of the martyrs The blood of the martyrs planted churches all around the world. It was as seed sown, but it was the blood of Jesus Christ that made all of that possible. And that name has endured the onslaught. Remember, Jesus said, Upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me tell you, Jesus will never become an unknown. Never. His name will be with us down through the ages. And that brings us to the fact that it is an exalted name. I I said at the very beginning, the one thing above everything else this morning that we hope to accomplish is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible exalts this name over in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 3. It says, "...who being in the brightness of His glory..." and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they." Think about it. Here on the earth, the Bible says He came into His own and His own received Him not. In other words, here on the earth, He was cursed and He was crucified. But in heaven, Paul says, He's going to be crowned and He's going to be glorified. The day's going to come when the very people who rejected Him will recognize Him in that day. And notice, they'll bow down. That is a visual demonstration of their admittance that we were wrong, that He indeed is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But not only is it visual, notice it's also verbal. He says they will bow down and confess. Every tongue shall confess in that day. There have been those who staunchly proclaimed that they would never become a Christian. They would never acknowledge Christ being the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And now they're dead and gone. But let me tell you, God's not through yet. And in that great judgment morning, in that day, whenever they are called to stand before the great white throne, in that day, They'll bow the knee and confess with their tongue, He is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Listen, we are saved by believing in His name. That's what the Bible says. So many times people, you know... uh, and this is the most important thing, most important question in all of the world is, you know, how are we saved? Kind of like the Philippian jailer who said, Sirs, what must I do to have eternal life? Now remember, they're talking to Paul and to Silas. And here, here is Paul with the best opportunity anyone could ever have to help a man in dire need. Sirs, what must I do to have eternal life? 
Paul could have said, well, you know, you're going to have to take a course down at the church and you're going to have to really study and become somewhat of a theologian and learn all of the Christian jargon, and, but he didn't say that. And he didn't say anything about being baptized, not at that point. And he didn't say anything about you need to join the church. He didn't say anything about you need to be a good neighbor or a generous person or anything. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, what do we believe? What do we believe about him? We believe, as he says in John 3.18, we believe in the name, in the name, and that name is Jesus. We believe in the name of the Lord. We believe that salvation is in Him. And whoever you are this morning, whatever you've done, doesn't make any difference. God so loved the world. There's not a person on this earth that God doesn't love. There's not a person in this world that could not be saved if they would believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about your intellectual assent to a historical fact. I'm talking about believing, but not only with your intellect, not only with your head, but believing in your heart and acknowledging that Jesus Christ is indeed who the Bible says He is, that He is God in the flesh, that He died on the cross, that He rose from the grave, that He is the Savior of the world. And regardless of what you do, you'll never, ever be saved until you get to the place that you believe in the name of the Lord. So, we're saved by the what? Believing in the name of the Lord. Not only that, we're baptized in the name of the Lord. That's, listen, that's important. Baptism is our way of identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ, with His death, His burial, and the resurrection. And it's on that testimony that we're received into the fellowship of His church. We're baptized in the name of the Lord. We pray in the name of the Lord. How important is prayer to you? How many things can you think of that you need that you can't get for yourself? Think about that for a little while. Think about all of the needs that you have and all of the times that, that you have found yourself totally dependent upon the Lord and you prayed. Think about how important prayer is. But what makes prayer effective? It's praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, whatsoever things you ask in my name... You see, we're not at liberty to just pray any old way that we want to pray. We're to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's by His authority that we're able to receive the things that we need. We're saved by believing in His name. We're baptized in His name. We pray in His name. And we go forth in Christian service in His name. I'm so glad that I can stand here this morning and, uh, and know beyond any shadow of a doubt that what I say to you is the truth because it's based on the Word of God. In other words, the one who cannot lie. You know, back whenever I was a boy growing up, a person's name was so important. And, and you know, just you sealed a deal with just a handshake and a word, you know. I mean... It's, Someone had a good name, and that's all it took. You could depend upon them. Well, I'm telling you, there ain't, ain't nobody like Jesus. There is no other name above this name, and you can believe that He is going to keep His promises. 
They're exceeding great and precious, Peter said, and you can depend upon them because God cannot lie. I love that old Gaither song that says there's something about that name. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Oh, listen, when we think about Christmas, when we think about the birth of that little baby, we need to understand that God came down to earth. Think about that. In all of His excellence, with all of His glory, He left, he left the streets of gold to come down and walk the dusty trails of Galilee. He left the praise of all of the angels to come down here for the cheers of the howling mob that mocked Him. To leave the fellowship of the Father, to be nailed to the old rugged cross and to give His life. And listen, He did it all for you, folks. Think about that. He who was sovereign became a servant on this earth that He might become the Savior of the world, the name that is above every name. This Christmas season, there will be many little children distracted by all of the glitter and the gold and the presents. And let me tell you, you can enjoy all of the gifts that you receive, but until you receive the gift of eternal life, Christmas will never be anything real and meaningful in your heart. You can sing all of the Christmas carols that you know, but you'll never, you'll never join heaven's choir and sing the praises, worthy is the Lamb, until you've been born again. You might get a few days off of work and be on, you know, with your family and friends. But for all of eternity, you'll be separated from God until you've been born again. Listen, with all of the gifts, all of the glitter, all of the gold, and everything this world offers, until you receive God's gift of salvation, all of that stuff means nothing because you're not going to take any of it with you. Thank God. Thank God for that name that's above every name. Somebody, somebody's often asked, you know, well, preacher, how do you know that you're really saved? Because a lot of folks have, have this weird idea that you can't really know whether you're going to heaven or not until you die. You know, a lot of them think, well, we've got to wait until we get before the judgment bar of God and He's going to weigh all of the good works over here and all of the bad works over there. And we're going to have to see if the good outweighs the bad. And finally, if, you know, if we... If we're allowed entrance into heaven, it's not that way at all. The Bible tells us that if we believe not, we're condemned already. You're only going to stand before God to receive your final sentence. Whenever you take your last breath on this earth without Jesus Christ as your Savior, eternity is settled for you. You'll spend an eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. So how is it that we can know that we're saved? Because the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Whoa, there we are again. That you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. You know, there's no doubt about it. 
In fact, if you're doubting it, I, somebody said to me one time, said, Brother Stone, I don't think I'm saved. What do you think? I said, I don't think you are either. Why would I think you're saved if you don't think you're saved? You say, well, haven't you ever been confused? Absolutely. I've been confused about a lot of things, but I've never been confused for one second about who my Savior is. That was settled long ago. The old account was settled. I don't have any reason to doubt. You say, well, doesn't the, doesn't the devil ever try to make you doubt? Oh, yeah, he tries, but the Holy Spirit runs him out. The Bible says, this, listen to this, that the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. You can burn my Bible, but you cannot take away my assurance of salvation because the Spirit of God's living in me and assuring me that I'm a child of God. And I'm nobody special. He does the same thing for every child of God. It's not different for any of us. If you're a child of God, you know it. There shouldn't be any doubt whatsoever. And I didn't understand a lot of things back then. I don't understand a lot of things now. But I believed what the Bible said, that, you know, if we believe in the name of the Lord, we'd be saved. And the preacher said, you take that first step, and God will help you take the rest. And I raised one foot, and like I said here the other day, somewhere between back there and up here, you know, many years ago, the Lord saved my soul. And He wants to do exactly the same thing for you this morning, but you've got to understand... There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Not any other name under heaven. No other way. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And that's that's what a sinner needs is life. They don't need a new start. They need a new heart. They don't need a new beginning. They need a new birth. And the only way for that to happen is by us believing in the name that is above every name, Jesus. 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 There's just something about that name. Amen? Boy, I'll tell you what, at that name, the devil has to flee. At that name. I, I can think of so many times in my life as a Christian that I tell you, I mean mentally, emotionally, I've just felt down and out. And and if you listen, you, 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 so many times we wonder, well, how am I going to get over this? And the best thing we can do is just get away and get our focus on Him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's going to finish what He starts. You get alone with Him and you focus on Him, on the name of Jesus Christ. And it's only through His empowerment that any of us are able to live a successful life. Let's stand together. Father, I know of a certainty that you never, ever, ever laid a message on any preacher's heart but what somebody needed that message. And Lord, this isn't my message. It's your message. It's not my word. It's your word. And Lord, I couldn't save anyone as much as I'd love to see that happen. I can't save anybody. I can't even really help folks very much at all. But, Lord, you can save them, and you can help them, and you can restore them. And I just pray this morning that each and every one of us might find in you exactly what we need this day. 
And Lord, if there are those that are unsaved, that today they might be born again. For those that are troubled and down and out, I pray today that you would encourage their heart. Some that have drifted away, they've become cold and indifferent. And Lord, today I just pray that the Holy Spirit might do a work in their heart and draw them back into the warmth of your fellowship. May you be glorified in all that we do. May Jesus be edified throughout this service and in everything that we do as Christians after we leave this building. May that be our goal in life, to glorify you by lifting up the precious name above every name, the name of Jesus. For we beg it in his dear name this morning. Amen.